growth requires more than capital. Why do we call it the cheat code? Nobody said growth had to be fair. Revenue solves everything. Welcome to the cheat code. What was our fastest path to revenue? We tend to like to do things the hard way. What's the cheat code? It's giving yourself an unfair advantage over the others. What is it that really works and how are we going to grow these organizations? That's our cheat code. Hey, what's up? You're back again on another episode of The Cheat Code, or what we're calling a Cheat Code interlude here. I'm joined by my two illustrious partners, Mr. Sean Kester and Mr. Josh Wagner. And uh, and that's it here today. It's just us. I uh, felt like it was a good time to kind of dive into what's been a recurring theme and, and certainly a theme in our firm and, and in the companies that we look for, but really industry-wide at this point. So guys, w- welcome to the pod. Yeah, man. Good to be here. It's boring. You just get us today, but hey, and make it happen. <laughs> oh, really exciting. Oh, we're really excited. Everyone should. That's be right. Pumped. <laughs> so yeah, I, the, it's funny. Like this topic obviously comes up all the time, but I was just having a conversation yesterday about it in terms of relationships, in terms of partnerships, in terms of like what's going on in in this crazy market that we're still operating in. You know how companies are winning business. And obviously that's a struggle. I think, you know, net new logos and net new business is, you know, a consistent theme in terms of being more difficult these days. And, and what we're hearing obviously is expansion from, from the existing customer base, but really in terms of how folks are engaging new prospects really comes down to, to partnerships and relationships. And at, at the same time seems to be, and this just, you know, came up again in, in interviews that we've been doing for one of our port codes for a head of sales. And consistently across those conversations where we get to, you know, kind of skill sets and and historical uh, experience, the partnerships aspect is something that someone kind of, everyone kind of throws up their hands and says, oh, well, you know, that's kind of what we were hoping to lean on you guys for and and, and leverage some of your knowledge there. And, and to me, that's just so crazy because that is how deals are getting done these days. So I assume you guys have been running into the same. Yeah, I don't think that anyone thinks partnerships is a bad idea, but- it's almost as simple as how do I get off the blocks? And that seems to be the first stumbling point that you run into all the time. And in the current environment, I don't know, you know, if, if you're on LinkedIn or you're reading the news, right? Like sales teams are failing. Like they're just not performing totally. well. And, you know, anyone who's listening and you guys definitely know this, I, my background is sales. So, and I've always said sales is a trust game and the partner angle is a shortcut or a cheat or a hack or whatever to shortcutting trust, right? I know it's hard to shortcut trust, but if you've got a trusted partner in there that trusts you, you're scaling relationships that you just can't do otherwise. Um, the trick now is, is you know, getting off the starting block. So, Well, even before we get into that, right? Like what what is a partnership, right? Like I think that's where a lot of the the misnomer and, and just the, the, you know, the lack of understanding comes from because the way that we've structured partnerships in the past is in my opinion totally backwards, right? Like yeah, having been on the other side of that I- equation as a, as a service provider, like trying to crack into a partnership program at you know a B two B SaaS provider, right? Like it's largely a game of who's providing them the most business. In fact, you know sourced revenue was the dashboard. Influenced or you know co selling was always like this redheaded stepchild that existed over on, on the sideline. And, and they would verbalize that, you know, well, source and influence are the two ways that we, we measure success in a partner or, or even the viability of a partner. 
but really it came down the source. What can you provide to me? And, you know, sitting in the chair from a services uh, organization, all of our clients were the clients of that, right. you know, that technology provider. And so, you know, yes, there was source new business, but the vast propensity were folks that were buying it and implement it, were struggling and, and needed help. And so that equation was just always backwards. Like, what, what do you guys, like, what is a, a partnership? Like, what, how should someone even be thinking about structuring a program like that? And Sean, I know you've done. Yeah, I'd love to get Sean's take on this, honestly. Yeah, I mean, a little different. The thing is, and to your point, it's like, so words matter. First of all, definitions matter, right? You you have to define what a partnership is and what it is. Um, I think even higher level than that, in order to be successful within a software organization of any kind, um, from a partnership perspective, it has to come top down. So I've been involved where you've had to build it up and you have to build kind of this organic um, kind of network internally in order to get buy-in. And it, it hasn't come from top down. You Partnerships kind of sits at the epicenter of the organization as a whole. And so you have to have buy-in from every leader, from every different department in order to make it work. Uh, because you can do what we said was um, you have to lead with responsibility. So you, you don't lead, you're, you're not able to control any one of those things, uh, but you're responsible for the outcome. And so I think one, you have to define what it is and what you're trying to do. Um, influenced and or sourced is, is a huge, uh, it's up for debate. So depending on the partner, the, the, uh, the partnership type, but ultimately if you don't have the buy-in from the exec team top down, it's not going to work. And what does that buy-in look like? And like, in my mind, that means that like, well, even getting back to the customer, right? Like w when you're, when you're putting together a partner ecosystem, and I got in a little debate with uh, Mr. Jared Fuller on on LinkedIn the other day about this, right? Like it, it, his statement was that like ideal partner profiles don't matter and, and and they're they're not viable and so on. And obviously, I would argue against that. And I think the argument was actually the way that people go about creating these IPPs is is the flaw, which of course, right? Like everything's fun and games until you get people involved. But like you have to be looking at the customer and saying, who are That's they? Right. You know who, who do they trust? Who who, are the, who do they have relationships with? What what are they using from a service, a technology perspective, right? And really, kind of using that as as your guide to to build one of these programs. It's all about outcomes. So you have to define exactly what that outcome is that you desire. So whether it's a uh, product ecosystem partnership play, whether it's a services partnership play. Um, whether it's trying to offset something that you're doing internally that you don't have the bandwidth to do, you have to define outcomes. And so uh, regardless of whatever it is, I mean, I think the thing is that everyone will agree that partnerships are important until you have to put an ROI on it, right? And, and so the, it's it's so much easier for sales to say, hey, if I hire this headcount, I get this outcome. Uh, with partnerships, it is a long tail. And so you don't see it immediately. Um, and you're, you may not see it tangentially either. I mean, it, it may be years before you can see it, but you either win on the competitive side, you offset uh, internal uh, headcount or uh, bandwidth that you have there, whatever it is, you have to define the specific outcomes. And so Josh, you're going through this with one of our, our port codes right now in terms of like helping them for lack of better term, like build that ecosystem from scratch. Right. And so like what type of expectations are you, are you trying to help them set internally in terms of those outcomes? Well, I, I kind of want to go back to, you know, the whole podcast we had with Scott Albro, he, he said that brand was one of those things that helps you punch above your weight class. Right. And for startups, partnerships can be a similar thing, right? You're, you're tapping into an ecosystem that likely you're the small fish 
if you're if you're a startup. And I know that was the case for us at LeadMD. It's certainly the case for um, Statera, one of the companies that we're working with right now in our portfolio. And the idea is to find, again, you're trying to revolve the partnership around the customer's problem. And you can have a much more productive relationship and conversation with this bigger player if you are intimately understand if you intimately understand the problem that you're solving within their customer base right because it automatically makes them stickier you provide them more value by coming up you can define those outcomes like sean said a little bit more clearly so the thing that you can do to differentiate yourself from every everybody else in the world that says hey i want to partner with you is clearly have a plan for what it takes to get going and i think that's where they fall down a lot of and i've been on like you guys, so many partner calls where it's like, oh, wow, this sounds great. There could be something here. Uh, well, so, 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 so what do you think? Um, well, you know, let's see what the sales team says, or let's see what my VP of such and such says, or let's do this, let's do that. If you take the bull by the horns and you say, listen, step one is we both find a friendly customer that needs each other. And if you can agree that both parties bring that to the table, it's automatically a starting point that you can't argue with, right? Because you can, you don't need agreements to do that. You don't need buy-in from everyone across the organization to do that. It's like, let's test this out. I've got this customer that I just did this for that really needs what you do. You've got this customer that you just did this for that really needs what you do. Let's test this theory. And maybe the partnership isn't worthwhile and you can find that out. That's why I even say super friendly like not just a friendly, a super friendly that knows there's a chance this doesn't work and they're not going to cut the cord. That's such an easy way to get buy-in from the executive level, as I mentioned before, is is, yeah. is ha testing out those waters like with a super friendly, finding something that works instead of going to present them this, this entire use case and trying to make a deck and get the sales team bought in and do all of the legal and everything like that. It's like, hey, they introduced us to this person and we want a deal. Right. Everyone's going to jump on that. That's right. Sales gets excited. Executives get excited. CS gets excited. And, you know, the other part of that is clearly articulating within the context of the super friendly, here's what could go right. And here's frankly, what could go wrong. And if you can predict the future for them and tell them what's going to happen, they automatically get this like, okay, this isn't going to be so bad. We're not trying to boil the ocean. I've got one, you've got one. All right. Yeah, sure. Let's go. And you're going to get pushed back, frankly. Like some people just are assholes sometimes about giving out customers yeah for whatever reason but then at that point you're like maybe they're not a good partner that's right i was going to say like you know like your your note on like they may not be that great of a partner like a lot of that comes down to cultural you know culture within right. the organization right like if you're using the customer as you know the the, the proxy for that partner ecosystem the, the you know the, this is who they're they trust who they are working with on a daily basis you've got a good blueprint for what that ecosystem should look like but obviously not everyone is bought into this concept but I, I like that approach in terms of like hey let's get essentially a beta up and running and then out the other end you not only got have results but you have a joint value proposition that yes. you can then educate the rest of that organization around and really kind of rally you know uh, to sean's point the organization from end to end yeah, add, yeah I'm not, it's so simple. Just case studies, enablement plan, like all this stuff can come out of it. Sorry, Sean, go ahead. No, no, I was just gonna, I, I'm just gonna harp on it again. It's like, it has to come from the top down. And part of that means it, there's so many facets of a partnership that have to connect um, and have to be cohesive in order for it to work. 
culture fit, uh, I think you mentioned before, like, can we work with these people, period, is such an important part of that. Um, and, and in order to get by it again, like you have to sell it from the top down. And so you have to make sure that the organizations work well together on paper. It may make sense. You may say, hey, this is, uh, you know, a, a, an adjacent technology or an adjacent, uh, adjacent partnership that, that on paper makes sense. But if you can't work together and you can't get the team fired up, because I mean, it has to again come from sales, CS, post sales, pre sales, everything in between, product, everything has to align. And they're very hard to do. But if you can make it happen and you can make it work, um, it's kind of that one plus one equals three. Yeah, it's just still so crazy that we're, you know, like you've got to go through all these steps. But like when you think about how people buy, right? Like, and I was just like hearing this totally adjacent anecdote the other day. Like, I don't know if you guys have seen that um, David Beckham documentary yet on Netflix, but it's it's awesome. But like the director of that actually directed Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, climate change documentary years ago. And apparently they were hanging out. He was talking about like, hey, I'm looking to find a director for for this documentary that I want to ultimately do for my career in life. And of course, he got the referral from Leo. The dude got brought in. And what did he do? He went to like his trusted friend, you know, circle of friends and said like, you know, I'm getting pulled into this thing. I know nothing about this. I've never done sports before. And they're like, no, you have to do this. The story behind it is is awesome. I mean, it, it's just, it's how we buy, you know what I mean? Right. In your personal life, in, in your professional life, ultimately, like you're going to get the opinion of, uh, of someone that you trust and leveraging, you know, tapping into that, just to your point, like once you get that buy-in and you integrate that throughout the organization, the other pushback that we always see is like, all right, but how do you measure the success of this? And how do you keep that, you know, top of mind and aware? So curious to, to get you guys thoughts on, on just, you know, the analytics approach and, and what truly makes a successful partnership that you can put on, on black and white. There's not a simple answer to that question, period. Uh, and, and, and that sucks about it because, you know, as partnerships, as we've seen um, within SaaS software specifically over the past, I don't know, five, 10 years as, as it's grown, it's, it's become even harder to measure. And there's, I mean, technology is trying to help with that. But the, to, to answer your question, like if you don't have to find outcomes, then you can measure all sorts of things. You can say, hey, what's our churn rate? What's a uh, retention rate based on integrations we have? Or what's our retention rate based on if yep. it's co-sold or if it's resold or however it is? And you can slice it any different way. Again, if you don't have these clear expectations of what you're trying to achieve, you can measure everything. It's just not going to matter, period. Yeah, I'd, I'd argue though, like if you just take all of the SaaS metrics literally from end to end and put partner in front of it in terms of, you know, uh, everything from attachment rate down to, you mentioned churn, right? Like if you're measuring, you know, these key diagnostics within the business, and then you're truly bought into, you know, one plus one equals three or five or 10 or whatever the ultimate outcome is, like you should be seeing an influence across the board there. Everything from source to velocity within a pipeline to, you know, uh, uh, ACV to churn, to NPS, right? Like just across the board, it, we sell better as teams, right? Like, it, and I've seen this, you know, play up literally over and over and over again, like going in and being, you know, that single seller versus, you know, you're coming in with a, a, a curated and intentional solution when you really understand the problem it is, is a massive win recipe. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of work. It does. Yeah. That's the things you're going to run into. And Justin, you know this because we ran into it all the time at LeadMD is 
most companies don't do a great job of benchmarking their own performance. Right. Right. You'd go in and say, oh, well, how's your funnel performing? You know, give me your, your base conversion rates. And, you know, you'd get sideways looks and, oh, I got to talk to this person. This person doesn't know. This person doesn't know. So if you can't benchmark standard, how are you going to put partner in front of it and say, it's that much better? Yeah, uh, great point. Everyone wants major lift, but lift from what is a really important aspect of that equation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, partnerships just can't be an afterthought anymore, right? It has to be part, I think it has to be part of how do you tangentially like set up the metrics for your business, right? You have to, from an influence perspective, you, I mean, everyone's got their standard, you know, marketing SaaS metrics and how they measure it and all that. You can, you can just mirror that over to partnerships. It's another funnel, uh, but it, it's an afterthought. It's not, it's not first, second or third. Yeah. I mean, I, I even come back to the example of like how we're building this business, right? Like, and, and we can get, you know, super granular and, and transparent about that aspect, right? Like you're, you're stepping into a space, which is the case with a lot of startups where, you know, you're the new kid on the block. That means a lot, certainly within the investment space to where like track record is, is literally everything. And so, you know, how do you enter a space like that, build up trust, build up viability when you're literally starting from, from day one. And, you know, our, our approach has, has literally been because of, you know, the value add, like we have something to offer beyond money, partnering with other VCs to bring us into, you know, give us access to deal flow, give us access to, to great startups, but I'll also be able, you know, to your earlier point, Josh, like what is the co-value proposition there, right. right? Like it can't just be like, oh, we'll round out the round. Like there's a million sources uh, yeah. for, for capital. But if we can provide something that literally no one else can there, step in, protect their investment, amplify the success of that startup, you know, and that's been a pretty successful value proposition so far, yeah, having only been, you know, th this amount of time into it. And so like that same analysis has to go into every discussion within an organization, right? Like whether we're launching a new feature, whether it's bringing a company to bear, ultimately, like what is our value that, that we're providing to the, the, the partner org, the, the market in, in general, and how can we work with that, that ecosystem to provide that amplification? Well, I mean, extreme clarity on the value, right? Like we're novices in this space, right? But when we go into another VC and talk to them, and I think between the three of us, we've, we've probably talked to, you know, almost a hundred other venture capital firms in this country over the past nine months. And it's very clear. Listen, we were operators. We're experts in go to market. Companies in this stage of funding don't know how to go to market. We can help them with that. It's really that simple, right? Mm -hmm. And they, you get this look of, oh, wow. Well, yeah, you're right. I'm an MBA. I look at finance. That's how I decide how to add money. But you're telling me I can protect my investment by doing the thing that they need at this stage? Done, right? Like it's, it, But that's what every company needs to do, right? Is get really, really sharp and clear about what their value is. Like to your point, John, you said the customer to the, to the partner and all that kind of stuff, but simple. So well, that's, that's another you know great point just in terms of value prop in general, like just organizations need to get a lot better at understanding where they start and where they stop and, and what that real value is that, that, that they want to own and then extend that through, you know, to your point, Sean, technology services, what, whatever that arbitrage is that they're looking to ultimately accomplish. Yeah. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like partnerships can go bad 
and they can be complicated. They can make what's the worst partnership story that you've got? I'm curious now. You don't have to name. I mean, there was, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was, there, I mean, it depends on what kind of fast you want to go through. Was it waste of time, effort? Was it a bad go to market? I think the thing that I learned the hard way was, as we were talking about earlier, is going through all of the formal motions, making, uh, coming up with the idea, getting things signed, going back and forth on legal, making sure terms are all, and, and getting to the point, And then it just failed to lift off. It just, nothing happened, right? And so it's like, I got CS involved. I got sales involved. I got the exec team. Everyone's super pumped about it. Not a single thing happened from it. And it was a bunch of wasted time and effort. And to your point, like getting super friendly very early and often with these folks and and making sure that you have something tangible that you can take back and say, hey, here's the reason we're about to go through this whole mess. Because I lost a ton of clout when when that thing failed, right? Because I had to go back and, and try to sell the next partnership that actually was viable. And everyone's like, yeah, 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 the boy that cried wolf, right? Like, yeah, we're not going to go through this whole song and dance again because then you got, you got, you know, time and effort within the organization. And so, you know, we can get into specifics at a, you know, a later date and a later podcast. But like, I mean, things, when things go bad, it's embarrassing for, for everyone involved because of the time and effort put in there. But I think getting a, a quick win uh, and trying to set the table for what it could be is, is probably the most important part of getting these things started. Yeah. So the last, Sorry. I was just, just going to say, you know, there's something to be said, especially in this early stage startup world, building a partner program. I don't know that I'd even listen, think about it through the lens of partner program at this point, because one really good partner is going to be far more valuable than a dozen. Logos. You build a program around that. You don't on have your, to start on your website, right? And and I, and I think LeadMD is even a great example of this, right? So, you know, our partner was Marketo for at least a half of the decade that I was there. That was it. That was our partner. And we mined that thing as well as we possibly could. We got hit up by others, right? Like Acton would call and Infusionsoft would call and all these other platforms would call. And it's just like, it just doesn't fit exactly the same. It's not, you know, there's some different things. You know, eventually we expanded our ecosystem out to other tech partners um, strategically, but one really good one can just be way better than, you know, a program for logos on a web page. Well, that's what I would call a strategic partner too, which is also a whole definition in itself that everyone has problems. I've never been in an organization where they've gotten the right definition of strategic partner. But in the, in the case of LeadMD, Marketo was a strategic partner. Correct. Yeah. So when the other thing that I think is really difficult to overcome with just this legacy mentality that we have on partnerships is, is the partner team, like the partner manager like and its structure and function within the organization. So curious to get you guys' thoughts on is that something that we just need to throw away at this point, or or you know what what is how do organizations get it right there? I can tell you how they got it wrong. Uh, <laughs> so I think it depends on what the outcome that you're trying to do is. So for example, if you have too many customers you're bringing on, your implementation team isn't isn't large enough to handle the influx of new customers then you might start to outsource to a partner that can you can certify in your implementation and help offload that where you pay them a rev share or something other, right? And at that point, I would say you're too infant in order to have a partner program and too infant to have a partner manager. You might have a dedicated person on the CS team or a dedicated person on the account management team who works with that partner and that evolves over time, but it, but it shouldn't be an entire program in itself. Same thing with sales. If you're trying to have a co-seller or reseller or anything like that, and there's someone who's willing to do it, have someone on the sales organization, whether it's a director, manager, or even a frontline rep, 
have them be responsible for that relationship. All those things feed into them and they maintain that relationship over time until it evolves into something else. I would not say to go out and say, hey, we're going to do partnerships. Let's go hire a partner person. We need a partner manager. We need a partner, you know, uh, marketer. We need all these different things. Let it evolve over time, but just have someone be the point person first and foremost. Yeah, the teams can be interesting. I mean, the big companies, the partner team just becomes a gate. They just become these mm-hmm. blockers, totally. right? It's like, they're almost like an SDR, inbound SDR, hard qualifying you. And mm-hmm. it's obnoxious, right? You're just like, dude, come on. Look, let me talk to someone who knows this customer and actually speaks with them on a day-to-day basis so we can see if there's something going on here, right? Like they're going through their checklists and you're like, dude, get mm-hmm. the hell out of here. Like it, it's obnoxious. To Sean's point, like, Early, you know, we're talking early stage. It could be your VP of sales. It could be your head of sales, your best salesperson, whatever. Like, I think even if you're adding your first partner team member, it better be someone with some sales chops because their job should be looking across your entire book of business and their entire book of business and mining opportunities. Like it it Mm -hmm. really should be that simple and, and playing dot connector and surfacing stuff that may not be organically surfaced otherwise. I mean, it could be as simple as that. Well, I think partner suffers from the same disability that marketing does, right? Like it, it became this <laughs> discipline that never talks to the customer yet somehow is supposed to know the customer better than everyone. And so yeah. even once you do get to that level where, you know, like you've got a robust ecosystem of partners that span multiple functions and now you've got to develop the support system for them. Like they have to be integrated into the business across those different areas. And I think, you know, it really ensuring that happens into the customer lifecycle because so many people get so caught up in how do we generate net new revenue from these partners and forget about, you know, the massive churn problem that happens in, in, in B2B SaaS alone and, and trying to leverage that customer relationship end to end and ensure that like, hey, how, who are we aligning there? Do we know? what that customer was struggling with. How do we prescribe, you know, the right partner, but involve the, you know, original AE if they're still in that cycle, the CSM, the, the, you know, uh, VP of customer success, like just ensuring that you got those touch points and they, it's truly a partnership internally as well is, um, is a, is a massive challenge that I've seen as organizations get more mature in partnerships. Yeah. I mean, partnerships, a good partnership person early stage, especially is just a chief problem solver. They're, they're trying to go find gaps in the business and fill it. It's you build, you buy, or you partner, right? And partnerships is the easiest way to go test the other two out. All right, guys. So, oh, Josh, you have parting genius for us there? Uh, yeah, I, I was just going to say, you know, we have another company in our portfolio that's got this tremendous partner ecosystem. And I, I even say partner in air quotes because, I mean, I don't even know how many of those are formalized. There's some integrations and stuff, so there's some formality to it. But from a sales and go-to-market standpoint, they're not really formalized other than maybe some webinars and this and that. But one of the things that we're really urging the account executive to do is to, to demonstrate the value. Every time you have a lead or a prospect that you talk to, find out who their telematics partner is, call that AE and say, hey man, I'm talking to so-and-so, I hear they're your account. Oh yeah. If you wind up doing that multiple times a week because you're and you're now demonstrating how much interest their customers have in your solution, that's going to be ground level groundswell that starts going to build up and you're going to, you're going to cheat because you're going to get all the intel and who are the players, how do they buy, how, you know, all this kind of stuff. You know, that's a more informal thing, but it can gain some traction really quickly. Well, that's where I think, you know, once you do have, you know, a partner manager or head of partnerships or whatever it's called, like 
that uh, kind of like greasing of the wheels is yeah. the most important role that they play. Like, hey, who are you talking to? Let me know, make sure the the partner is aware of this. Who's the seller attached? Yeah, Just kind right. of doing some of that blocking and tackling, I, I think becomes helpful down the road to the point here. I think the way you get started is just by getting started, right? Like is <laughs> getting close to that customer via their trusted relationships possible and and ultimate uh, uncovering a value that you can use as a centerpiece to to build on that program. Absolutely. So guys, th- thanks for uh, joining the interlude here. I think, you know, the topic certainly was was worth it because, you know, whether we're talking about uh, Megan's talking about mentorships or, you know, Scott talking about brand, Craig talking about, you know, just trust of introductions and so on. Like everything really does come back to relationships and trust in, in one form or another. I think it's the biggest cheat code out there. Obviously, like relationships are, are the currency of success in my opinion. So um, appreciate you guys commenting on it. And of course... If you guys are just tuning in for the first time, give us a uh, a like, a follow, subscribe to the podcast. We do a newsletter on LinkedIn every uh, once a week. Uh, so we'd love to see you on future episodes. Thanks for joining the Chief Code.